Episode 9 of Right We Are Sitting Now. Uh, I'm Kenny Kins, and uh, my co host today is brought to you by the letters J and W. It's, uh... Hi, Jacob. Hello. Hello, hey. I'm Jacob Williams. And uh, <laughs> you're going to be doing a feature for us. Regularly. Yeah, you asked me to uh, to take part in sitting now, and uh, I've, I've, uh, I like to get into things that are successful, so I thought I couldn't really let you down, could I? <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to do um, a feature for us each week where you, you find some uh, juicy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the feature is going to be, but uh, uh, well, do you know what it's going to be? Well, I thought it'd be uh, funny because you don't really—you're not what I call I'm a, a skept- believer. I'm a skeptic. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. Well, yeah, I'm a skeptic, but uh, I, I like the uh, the comedic side of things. Yeah, and I think today's episode is is going to uh, be a corker, really. Yeah, it should be good. I mean, we've got Dean Haglund, but we'll talk a bit more about him in a minute. But uh, yeah, so basically, we're going to give. Well, uh, who, who am I? Who am I replacing? <laughs> I can't remember his name. Can you? Um, isn't he Romanian? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was his name again? Paul. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Burke. No, 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 no. It was Burke. It was Burke. Burke. Yeah. Burke. <laughs> no, that's an in joke for the people who are listening who don't know who we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Paul Banneker. What, what, what's he doing today? Uh, lying on his back, doing nothing. Can't imagine. And I, and I presume he doesn't know I'm taking his place. <laughs> <laughs> Not is, he, is, he wait, is he waiting for you to ring him to, to, to fetch him and to do his, his usual piece? Yeah, probably. Pretty. Basically, the oh. problem at the moment to the listeners who don't know, who don't know what's going on, uh, Paul. Basically, Paul's moved into my old house, and I've moved to my girlfriend's house, and um, so we're having some problems trying to figure out how we're going to record. The funny it. thing is, he lives in Guildford, and he's traveling. How is he going to travel? What to here? Well, to wherever he's going to travel. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he Look at that bit. He can. <laughs> He can barely organise his way out of a paper bag, so I think this is going to be. Yeah, I was just wondering. I find it funny that when he commutes, if he ever, well, when he will commute from mm. Guildford to wherever. I mean, Farnham. How is he going to make it there? Train, I guess. Oh well. <laughs> well, that that was the uh, the sadly missed Paul Banneker there. About <laughs> there will be a remembrance service, I think, uh, in the monthly video vod. Uh, what do you call it? A vod- vidcast? A vodcast or a vid- A vodcast would be a vodka and that could make quite <laughs> yeah, we'll interesting s- one with Paul anyway. <laughs> get sponsored maybe by yeah. a vodka company. But they, yeah, I think they're called vidcasts actually. I think that's what they call them. But, yeah, uh, well, well vid- the remembrance service will be uh, featured on the vidcast <laughs> next month. 
<laughs> we should do vidcasts actually. I, I was saying to you the other day, but a vidcast would be great. Yeah, we just need to. Uh, we've got access to cameras and stuff, so I mean, we should probably. You could you could create Paul a, a sort of a piece in the vidcast, couldn't you? I mean, behind the scenes, obviously. I mean, you could you could what could he be? He could be the producer, the director. <laughs> <laughs> director i mean we don't want to hear his voice do we no that's true <laughs> we've got a few emails about did you hear the episode seven interview we did with are you serious he did um I, I haven't listened to all of them no you i haven't go, go I to the second to. half of that and listen to right. the uh listen to paul's question near the end and see how long it takes him to actually get the question i remember I, I remember listening to one right and Paul was there. You were there, and I can swear you were trying to shut him up. He he just keeps on, but he, he, it was integral to the to the part of the show, and you couldn't really cut it out. But, and he, he he goes on and on, and he, he, you can't understand what he says, but but that's uh, that's part of his charm, isn't it? Bless his Romanian cotton socks. Yeah. <laughs> right, so back to the show. I guess um, we've got a forum on the site, as some of you may have noticed, but we haven't oh, yeah. got a clue how to use it, which is the. I've been looking at the administration features and I cannot figure out how to make it work properly. So if anyone out there fancies themselves as a forum admin of some sort or uh, wants to just like, you know, hit me over the head with something, go, look, this is how it works. That'd be great um, because I've got no idea what the hell's going on with that. So, uh, yeah, if anyone could do that. Also, I want to... All help greatly, greatly appreciated. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> as always. But uh, it's, uh, go on. Is Paul any good at that? Uh, well, no, I don't think so. Oh, he might be. I don't know. Maybe I can give that to Paul to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> In fact, I, I, heard, I heard that he's uh, he's been employed next from September onwards as the uh, radio lecturer in the University <laughs> College of the Creative Arts in Farnham. <laughs> I don't know. I, ju- I just heard that. So I can't remember where I heard that. <laughs> oh, dear. In jokes. The listeners mm. love them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I want to give some thanks, some shout-outs here to some people. Um, Claire. Claire Luminaire, if you look on our About section, has been writing some blog posts for us, and she's been helping out. That's that's what I like about sitting now. I didn't realise until uh, yesterday. Shall we tell our listeners what we did yesterday? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Well, I do a hospital radio show. It's JW Live. It's it's brilliant. <laughs> if you can listen to it, you know you need to be within a mile radius of me. But if, if you want to listen, if you want to listen to it, you know you're more than welcome to come down to Withybush in Pembrokeshire <laughs> and on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's serious. It's serious, Ken. If you want to come down within a mile radius of me, well, make it three because it's, it's quite a big transmitter. Um, Ken came on the phones last night, and I did a piece with him about sitting now, about podcasting, and about the paranormal, UFO, all, all that stuff. And I didn't realise until yesterday that sitting now is actually um, the website. At least is is well, contributions to the website come from uh, a team of people, and I thought it was just. Uh, can so no, no. Uh, it's it's quite a good idea actually. Is, is it a common idea on podcasting and websites? Or I, I don't know really. It's kind of uh... you might be you might be setting a trend here. <laughs> I wanted to make it really open source and so people can contribute. You know, so we can get some cool writing yeah. in there and stuff like that. But actually, another person that I should thank as well is Paul. Uh, not Paul. Not Banneker. Paul Banneker. No, <laughs> I think we've given him enough thanks tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Paul um, has been doing our MySpace for us. And uh, he's been uh, spamming the hell out of people and trying to get you know some people to yeah. check out the show that way. So big thanks to him. And we're going to be—he's going to really good band called the Santaran Experiment, who are about to release. I think it's, yeah, it's an album. It's really good. I've got a copy of it already. But uh, it's yeah. We'll so we'll probably play some of that stuff probably in the next episode actually. But uh, depending on we'll have to arrange something with him. But he's meant to be doing some sort of piece for us where he's going to play us some sort of cool new piece of music each week. 
Um, but we're just trying to figure out how we're going to do it still. <laughs> it's one of those is, is that for legal reasons or or no, just no. what sort of music you're like, you, you're going to choose? No, I think uh, it's just more technical reasons, really. Um, yeah. Plus, we want to figure out if he's going to be on the show with us or you know that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, no. Um, and also, I want to thank Greg from uh, a Cult of Personality podcast. Uh, he's been playing our promo. Um, which is cool. It's two podcasts now that are playing our promo. We've got Eerie Radio the, as well. It's that the promo with you pretending to be a DJ. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's so good. It's it's so rubbish. Am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah. It's so mind-bogglingly shit. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. It sounds it sounds like something from the seventies America. <laughs> oh, it, I really liked it. Actually, it made me laugh. Did you like the cheesy effects that you called? Paranormal. I, I've got I've got I've got just that. You sent it to me, didn't you? I've I've got mm. just that on my computer, and I, I sometimes play it on. Repeat. <laughs> I, I don't, but I should. <laughs> you should do. It would enrich your life. In fact, I suppose the fact that Paul's on it makes it brilliant, doesn't it? Yeah. So I don't think I don't think we should take the piss out of him too much because no. he created some entertainment. <laughs> yeah. We've got some uh, cool upcoming guests as well. We've got uh, John Ronson, who's a Guardian journalist, who's written some books about. Basically, he was writing, sort of studying at the time, or you know, investigating conspiracy theorists just before nine eleven happened, and he kind of uh, yeah. Yeah, there's been a few stories come out recently. Well, I say recently. I've heard about them recently, uh, where there seem to be coincidence uh, coincidences, and things have come out recently, or at least I think it's recently after 9/11, where your TV shows and books that were planned to come out contain stuff that related to 9/11, and of course it couldn't have been predicted. No. Or perhaps it was. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some conspiracy it, theorists claim it's it. They quite could unusual. Be. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's a bit weird. I mean, we'll be talking. Isn't there an X Files episode or something as well? Yeah, well, we'll be talking to Dean about that oh. later on, which is uh, right. kind of cool. But yeah, upcoming, yeah, so we've got John Ronson and we've got uh, also Eric Davis, who's the author of Te- Technosis website. Um, he's an expert on Philip K. Dick, so I want to talk to him quite a bit oh. about Philip. Philip K. Dick, he's the author of. Um, uh, basically, a lot of his books have been turned into films. He um, made, well, Blade Runner. Uh, uh, Minority Report, Total Recall, right. but he's a kind of crazy kind of character. He was, he was really, sub, you know, for his time, way ahead of his time, and had right. this amazing, crazy experience. And uh, we'll we'll get to Eric to talk about it when he comes on. But right. he's a really interesting guy. But today's show, I, fa- <laughs> I was just going to say, you 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 were talking about Eric there. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of a previous episode of a podcast of this podcast where you and Paul were talking, and you you, you introduced the. Um, the, the, the guest, and he didn't say his name. Yeah, I didn't say his name. It was me. That made me laugh. And, and you were about to go into the audio, and you didn't say who he was. Yeah, so we should probably definitely introduce uh, today's guest. Is uh, Dean Hagland. He's um, probably best known. Well, he'll introduce himself, but just quickly, he's best known for the, his role in the X Files. Um, but he's done a load of really cool stuff, and he's a really interesting guy, actually. Yeah, he's a great character. Yeah, he's cool. So uh, we'll cut to that interview now and uh, see you on the other side. Well, hi, welcome to the show, Dean Hagland. Thanks a lot for coming on. and It's really, really great to have you on. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, could you give us, uh, for listeners that haven't heard of you, which is probably <laughs> about 0.5%, um, could you uh, give us a brief biography of yourself, please? Absolutely. I, uh, I'm best known for playing Langley, one of the lone gunmen on the X-Files. Uh, I was the long-haired computer hacker that Mulder and Scully came to all the time. Uh, and for those who weren't watching the show religiously, I'm the one that looked like Garth from Wayne's World. 
<laughs> Excellent. The easiest way. Um, and you've done a few other things as well, haven't you? So absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, but that's the one everybody goes. Hey, you're that guy. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Do you get that still quite a lot? People coming up to you. Or... Well, you know, I cut my hair off, and uh, and then uh, the glasses were always fake. So um, uh, invariably, not that many people recognize me anymore. <laughs> Okay, wicked. And so you're in Hollywood at the moment, is that right? I am, yes. Ah, first I'm guest from not... Hollywood. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. There's many of us here. Yeah, I have to work my way through you all. <laughs> <laughs> so you do a podcast yourself, don't you? It's uh, from the heart of Hollywood, I think it's called? Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, I run a production company now called Rational Exuberance, and uh, next door to my office was uh, my good friend Phil Lairness, and every Monday morning we would just chat about the state of the industry and what movies we saw, uh, pop culture, that kind of thing. And we, um, we decided to uh, start sharing that conversation with the rest of the world. That's and cool. uh, it's, it's grown quite exponentially, actually. Yeah, so you can get it on iTunes as well, can't you? As well as ours. Yeah, you yeah. sure can. Yeah, so you can, just... you get, can I get this show on iTunes? Yeah, you can. <laughs> we have a nice so... big button on our website that you can press that takes you straight to our page, which is cool. <laughs> so, do I, so do we. Yeah, and, good, uh, good. Where can we, we find have, it? Uh, you can find it at uh, fromtheheartofhollywood.com. Okay. Uh, and you can also join us on MySpace, where we have a From the Heart of Hollywood uh, page, and you can become our friend. Excellent. So much fun. <laughs> yeah. So. It's, the way, it's really good, MySpace, actually. I think it kind of – have you found it helps promote your show at all? Or uh... Yeah, it sure did, and it really connects you to your listeners, you know, when they have feedback and stuff like that. I, uh, I tend to leave that to the good hands of Phil – who uh, on MySpace is known as the Sheriff. <laughs> and uh, he's the one that sort of uh, uh, really embraced that uh, particular site. Yeah, excellent. Well, um, the first thing I was going to ask you about, actually, we were talking about it a little bit earlier on, and I got the name wrong. It's a, a film that you were going to be doing with Patrick McGowan, or maybe yeah. you are still going to be doing? I'm not quite sure. Could you yeah. tell, tell us a little bit about that at all? Right. Well, you mistaked it for Willem Reich. Yeah, uh, who at the Oregon box, but it's actually Dr. Royal Raymond Rife, spelled yeah. R-I-F-E. It's an easy mistake. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a very easy mistake. Uh, uh, Royal Raymond Rife uh, actually invented a machine in 1933 that uh, apparently cured cancer. He tested it on 90 terminally ill patients in Pasadena, California, and all 90 had 100% remission. And when the AMA came, the American Medical Association, to uh, say, we'll buy the machine, we'll test it for 10 years, and we'll give you 9% of the profit, he said, I've already done all that, I'll just keep 100% of the profit, thank you very much. Uh, and which point his lab at USC was burnt down twice, his assistant poisoned just before a press conference, and he was sued for the rest of his life uh, down in San Diego until he died in 1971. Well, so... Uh, yeah, so this machine uh, apparently still exists in some underground circles, but uh, but this movie is uh, sort of to explore that story. And you've got uh, Patrick McGowan as well. We we well we do uh, though he's um, <laughs> uh, according to our co-producers become a little cantankerous uh, regarding the length of time this project has taken. <laughs> so uh, I don't want to uh, commit him to being in this, but uh, but yes. So far, he's attached, as they say. That'd be great. Are you a fan of The Prisoner? Absolutely. Good, good. Love The Prisoner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, uh, I, in fact, you know what was weird for me was the very first episode, 
I saw was at a video store. And I went, oh, is this The Prisoner? And I rented it. And it was just the final episode where you find out who number one is. Oh, no. <laughs> so I went, what the hell? It just, it just blew the whole thing backwards. So I had to sort of erase that episode from my memory and watch it from the beginning. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been coming out a lot on DVD again recently. I've noticed uh, there seems to be all sort of different sort of packages coming out, which is really good because I only had like really bad quality copies, like video copies. It was really... Right. Yeah, yeah they remastered the whole thing. And I think there's commentary from a few people. Um, and uh, the they're redoing it as a feature film again. Yeah. Uh, there's a TV series that... as well, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if that... Uh, did that get picked up? Because I, think... I was... So... It's hard to tell. It's one of those things where it keeps getting announced as you know being something that's definitely going to come out, and then it doesn't come out, and it's oh, it's really annoying. <laughs> it is annoying because you know the process of TV is, uh, particularly here in Hollywood, is quite exacerbating. Yeah. In that, not just uh, you do a pilot and it goes to air and everybody likes it. It's that it involves hundreds of executives saying, you know, he needs to have red hair and she <laughs> needs to be hotter and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's weird that Rife and Reich both seem to have quite similar lives as well. I mean, they're similar names and lives because I think Reich had his um, labs burnt down or his books at least burnt. And I think that's yeah, fairly. Uh, that, that's true, isn't it? And his his, uh, his work was also. I know he had a uh, huge uh, energy collecting machine up in Montana, right near the Canadian border. Yeah, uh, I know this because I actually accidentally visited it as a teenager Uh, i was campy with my parents so they went right by it and we saw the place uh it was sort of hidden in the woods but he had tons of satellite dishes and he was collecting energy (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was quite quite fascinating (laughs) yeah he's i think they're both i think these people need to like figure out they need to get different names so we can distinguish between them a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> it be well, and it's interesting because he was a doctor in the 30s as well. And there seems yeah. to be this this time in the 30s when there was this sort of uh, uh, mind expansion in the medical field in terms of alternative medicines and energies and uh, powers in the universe that could relate to healing and stuff like that. And then somehow all of that got buried and crushed and... and uh, and made it illegal in certain states. Yeah, I know. Um, as a side note, the there is a rife type machine uh, that is supposed to, you know, without FDA approval, it's supposed to be able to diminish cancer cells. And there was a nurse who I've met at a couple of the conspiracy conventions I go to, and she was buying them off the internet and then reselling them to her patients. So she was just a middleman. But at 9 a.m. one morning, the FDA, with uh, police uh, in full riot gear, uh, smashed in her door, tore up her house, uh, confiscated all the machines, and arrested her. (laughs) And now her legal bills are somewhere around $60,000, defending herself for being a middleman because she was a nurse in an oncology unit. They, They decided to... Uh, make her the scapegoat. Whenever that sort of thing happens, it always makes you think. Well, it probably works. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Why? Why are they? Uh, why, you know, what? What are they trying to hide that they're coming down like gangbusters like this? You yeah. know, it yeah. would be just as easy to go. Well, no, it doesn't work, and there you go. Reminds me a little bit of uh, Timothy Leary as well when he was doing his experiments with LSD. I think he got 
a ridiculous sentence for something really small, which makes you think, hmm, maybe he was onto something as well. It's kind of well, a... it, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, there there's all sorts of indications of um, many medicines and uh, pills that had quite the effective rate. Yeah. And then when they either were sold to the AMA, then their their effectiveness diminished uh, when they mass produce it. Yeah, you know. So there's a, a large medical conspiracy that we could talk for hours on. Yeah. So with um, obviously there's this project you've got. I think you were saying earlier you've got some other kind of back burner projects. Could you tell us anything about those? Ah, uh, yes. I um, I let's see where to start. I have a comedy that's. Uh, quite fun. Um, and I've also picked up the story rights for uh, this. I am. I went to uh, college in Vancouver, Canada, and one of my alumni uh, graduates is uh, a guy by the name of Kim Rosmo, who apparently is the patent holder for a piece of software that can find a serial killer within 300 yards of his house. All right. Just based just based on the bodies lying around. And uh, he got this uh, by doing a double major in computer science and criminology uh, while he was a police officer at the same time. All right. And he had, yeah, it's quite a fascinating story. What's the horrible part of the story is uh, once this software came out and actually solving, started solving crimes, he was then ostracized from the police force and eventually fired and he sued for wrongful dismissal and lost the case. Mm. And uh, the screenplay we have is this the whole tale of, of that kind of, um, you know, bending the, the going against the grain of a police culture. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that sounds a little bit uh, heavy, actually. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty heavy. It, it's sort of, uh, you know, Serpico, if you remember that Al Pacino yeah, movie yeah. from the 1970s, kind of that going against corruption and... Mm. all that sort of thing but with the updated uh fascination with this cool piece of software yeah i mean I he did... was actually go i'll go ahead no i was gonna say i did the master's degree in criminology it's uh i found that really interesting actually that's kind of uh... oh you did yeah oh, okay well he now teaches uh criminology at the university of texas all right uh where i often go visit with him and uh he uh, told me all about the software and and part of one thing that probably got everybody's ire up, he said, was he was invited down to Jackson, Mississippi, where there was a uh, serial killer that was uh, going after co-eds at a local college. And I think there was three or four victims. And the, it was, there, the case was about 10 years old. It kind of went cold. And there was only two cops still working on it. And his software, uh, to make a long story short basically pointed to one of the two cops uh oh, right <laughs> and and that's why the case went cold and so the he had to tell the other cop that it was his partner and they got the dna evidence and uh put him in jail wow <laughs> and so when he came back to vancouver he was known as you know kind of a uh a rat you know a rat fink and the stoolie and one who turns on their own surely it's the computer oh, though i was guilty <laughs> Well, exactly. But he did come up with the software, you know, mm. so. Uh, so that's... association. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so his life was made a living hell there for a while. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds really interesting, actually. But, uh, so you, how far along is that? I mean, in terms of 
Become... Well, that way we're yeah we're going. Uh, we have a an outline and we're working on the screenplay now. Uh, we don't have anyone attached yet. We haven't put it out there. Um, and we we I have a guy on the inside doing some of the research on uh, um, because I only know it from the Kim side, and, and so I want to get a more balanced, you know, what was the culture at the time yeah, sort of yeah. thing. So I got a guy doing research for me up there in Vancouver, all right, getting so. all that information together. That sounds really interesting. I'll look out for that, definitely. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Can you tell us about, I remember I heard you on the Alex Jones show recently, and you were talking about yes. um, a film you made about a road trip across the US. Well, that's how I met Alex, actually. I, right. I threw, I, I was uh, traveling uh, just after the 2004 election, which was highly uh, divisive yeah. in the country. Uh, and uh, particularly, I drove my California BMW through the red states, as it were, down through the south, just to see what I would see. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of a fascinating mosaic of um, of different people's ideals and cultures and what was going on at the time. Uh, that movie, unfortunately, I had to shelve uh, briefly because um, some of the most fascinating parts, I unfortunately didn't get the releases signed. Uh, people realized <laughs> that, you know, because it was such a politically hot time that the things they said in the moment to me, they didn't actually want out there. So some of my best parts of the documentary, unfortunately, can't be seen. All right. That's a shame. So, yeah. That is a shame. Mm. I plan to go back now and, and uh, sort of reframe it, um, you know, go back to the same people and show, you know, what a difference four years makes kind of thing. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be good to see, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, sort of like a 28 up, but not as extensive. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go to a break after this question, but um, I was going to say, how did you get to know Alex Jones? I mean, did you get in contact with you or did you get in contact with him or? Well, I knew of his uh, his radio show, and uh, we had a lot of mutual friends. But it was um, another uh, morning radio producer that I knew here from Los Angeles that said, "Oh yeah, you should talk to this guy. You totally get along." And so he was a big fan of the show. And when I first came through town, we basically set up video cameras on each other and interviewed each other at the same time. <laughs> so it was quite idea. yeah, it was a great idea to look great on camera. For both of us. Have you stayed in contact since? Or? Yeah, sure have. In fact, uh, because his name is Alex, he's first on my mobile phone, and sometimes I accidentally dial him at four in the morning, which uh, <laughs> I don't know if he really appreciates my friendship now. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I guess, like you just you said earlier, that you uh, go to some conspiracy festivals or you know, conventions. Does this mean yeah. that, uh, you're kind of a real-life kind of lone gunman, I guess? So. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. I started researching that character, uh, by meeting uh, real-life researchers and UFO, uh, the likes of Jordan Maxwell and Dr. Roger Lear, uh, Rob Simone, and those kind of guys. Yeah. And uh, as each episode grew and I wanted to know, you know, specifics of what the writers were talking about, I would go to these guys. And, uh, and now the, the conversations that we have are so fascinating and so some of them bone-chillingly scary that uh, I was actually going to start a podcast that was going to be called uh, Paranoia Will Destroy You. <laughs> That's a good name. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the best parts of the conversation are much like the releases. They say, okay, I'm going to tell you this, but turn that recorder off. Basically, it's us just chatting over what we're going to order and how 
form it's been. <laughs> and then when it actually comes down to the nitty gritty, they don't want any of that broadcast. So I have a show idea with no content. At the <laughs> That's a shame. So, I mean, um, I guess like working on the X-Files, you probably got exposed to loads of these kind of, uh, kind of more fringy, even within the conspiracy world, more kind of fringy kind of topics. Which... Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's such a wide range of um, professionals working on this. And there's also a, a kind of bizarre fringe element um, that uh, sort of makes up the milieu that uh, it becomes quite, uh, quite entertaining unto itself. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to go to a break quickly. Um, okay. And uh, we'll come back to the interview after that. Sounds good. episodes so keep up with your work guys thanks interviews there's so many movies so many documentaries even books that come out that have factual information in it that maybe you know this is a gradual way of, of kind of educating the public to as to what's going on visit eerie radio at www.eerieradio.com
Hey, John, you ready to record mm-hmm. today? Huh? Record what? Couch surfing, remember? Couch surfing? What's that? You know, it's that weekly podcast we do where we have frank, honest discussions about the latest news in popular culture and entertainment. Oh, please, Scott. I'm sure I would have remembered agreeing to something like that. Hold on. You mean to tell me you have no recollection of talking with me about movies, TV, celebrities, comics, and whatever else that happens to be on our minds? Come on, you remember. You put all kinds of music down in the background to go along with the show. Dude, seriously. Seriously, dude. I've got so much stuff going on in my life right now. I can't be bothered with such trivial things like some opinionated weekly podcast where a couple of sad sacks rant and rave about geek-related crap. So you do remember. I knew it. Wait a minute. Why are you wearing a tuxedo? Well, unlike you, I've got real things going on in my life right now. Important things. Like what? Like my date with Summer Glau. You have a date with Summer Glau, the star of Joss Whedon's Firefly and the new hit show on Fox, Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles, that Summer Glau? Yes. I'll be sure to let her know that you're a fan. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to be late. My God, you're delusional. Have you been sniffing the permanent markers again? Scott... There is a very tiny, very limber starlet patiently waiting for me at Burger City. So unless you've got some important messages for my date, I'll be on my way. Okay, fine. Tell her the podcast is located at geekshow.us slash couchsurfing. Anything else? Yeah. Tell her you're the biggest idiot ever. Got it. Don't wait up. I don't think he's coming back. Okay, welcome back. Uh, we're with Dean Hagland. Again, thanks for coming on, ma'am. That's really cool. My pleasure, <laughs> as always. Um, so tell us about, I mean, The Lone Gunman. I mean, that must have been, I guess, the biggest show for you in terms of the stuff you did with Chris Carter. Uh, was it? Yeah. What was it like to be one of the central characters of the show rather than one of the kind of characters that turned up on quite a few episodes? But, uh, you know, what I mean, sort of like, was it good to be the kind of central character? One of the central Yeah, characters? well, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of... The joy of doing a, a, a recurring character on The X-Files was that it gave you lots of preparation time, but also a lot of time to assimilate um, what it means to be on television. So you get to go out to conventions and, you know, you, it was uh, maximum exposure for a minimal amount of work. And then when The Lone Gunman came upon us, it was 16-hour days that you were really working hard. And you were doing that every day, so you sort of didn't have the ability to go out and hang out and meet people and, and get, you know, feedback on what you're doing. So you kind of did the whole show, basically it was 13 episodes, uh, kind of in a vacuum. Yeah. And then at the end of it, you go out and then some people going, now why did you do that, the thing there? And you went, wow, oh, man, if I only talked to you, I would have <laughs> gone and changed that, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so that, that's sort of a difference. Did you, I mean, did you work with, people on that show that you worked with on the x-files was it the same kind of crew or yeah yeah definitely it was chris carter and vince and uh, frank spotnitz and john um they were all there they were doing the x-files at the same time so it was um uh so they were writing both vince really uh took to uh the comedy of the show he really has a sense of humor as seen with his new shows i don't know is breaking bad coming out there yet I think so. Yeah, um, I think it is. Um, I think that is out soon. That 
Yeah, that's a story of a um, uh, a chemistry teacher in New Mexico who decides to sell crystal meth to support the fact that teachers get paid very poorly. <laughs> and uh, and so being a chemistry teacher, he makes incredible crystal meth. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's the darkest show you'll ever see. And it came from the mind of Vince, who's an ex, uh, X-Files writer. Uh, yeah, that Hancock is the is another movie that Vince Gilligan wrote as well. Uh, so the guy who wrote Lone Gunman has a new movie coming out called Hancock, plus a new series Breaking Bad. So you can see the mind uh, <laughs> from what the Lone Gunman was born. So what, what was the uh, reaction to the Lone Gunman um, in the press when it first came uh, out? You know, there, it was uh, it was overall pretty positive. Um, the I think some of the people wanted more of the dark element of um, the X Files, and we were we went a little more comedic. And for some, that comedy was seen as too goofy. Already? Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't think it was too goofy, but you know, Frohickey fell over a lot. Uh, I think I threw up in the first three episodes. So <laughs> uh, you know, all of that didn't uh, uh, gel with some people's ideals of what the gunmen and, and the X Files were to them. That's really weird. But, I've I've, I've always found the X Files, uh, the funnier X Files shows, are often the best ones. I thought. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing; those people uh, who appreciate that comedy uh, really dug the government. But there, those who really, you know, just wanted the heavy, heavy drama, moody, dark atmosphere to prevail through the government as well. And uh, and it and it was you know decidedly a lighter show. Yeah. Uh, but still following really cool ideals and actually uh, darker. Uh, the conspiracies were more um, uh, not so much in tone, but clearly out there that there is a car that runs on water, that there are super intelligent military chimps, you know, that these are givens yeah. and not, uh, not something you have to work to figure out. Was that one of the aims of the show with the writers was to kind of make kind of, a more a less aliens based kind of conspiracy show i guess yeah yeah it was going to be more uh things that uh we heard about you know that's how i first heard about the rife machine for instance yeah that there was a cure for cancer in 1935 that there is a car that runs on water that we have uh, uh anti-gravity technologies that have existed since the 1900s yeah. uh one of the writers told me that uh, in the World's Fair in 1906 in Paris, there was a uh, a display where a guy had two radio knobs and he could levitate all these brass orbs and have a working model of the solar system. So much so that uh, Nelson or uh, John J. Rockefeller could hang on to Jupiter and lift his feet off the ground and be taken one uh, six foot circle. Oh, and he so loved this machine that he purchased it and it was never seen of again. The technology <laughs> disappeared. Sound, that definitely sounds like an X-Files story it, or a government Doesn't story. it? Doesn't it? Yeah. And so, so that was, uh, you know, these were the kind of things, not so much extraterrestrial and, and uh, um, monsters of the week, but more these stories that this stuff exists is what the Lone Gunman was going towards. And the second episode, the second season series that was planned uh, was going to go into that even deeper. Yeah. 
I think, yeah, because my favourite X-Files episode, I think it's the one where you guys meet Mulder for the first time. And it's, I think it's set in the 80s and he has like a huge yes. telephone, like really. <laughs> that was, that's that was, right. That was really funny. And yeah, that and was funny. And there was like a follow on to it, wasn't there? There was a second part kind of a few couple of seasons later, I think, where they kind of picked up the story again and with the woman, I think, that disappeared. Yeah, again. the woman. Yeah, the one she disappeared. She shows up again in Vegas Yeah, that's right. uh, in an episode called Three of a Kind. And um, uh, yeah, and we're all uh, we all get uh, mind controlled at that point yeah. uh, through injection. One of the nerds is a is a rogue. He's not really a nerd. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, so um, so what actually happened to the show? Because it seemed to all be going pretty well and then just vanished. Well, here's the thing. Uh, it's quite a complex and long story. So long, in fact, that I actually drew a comic book uh, about the true story of how the show came together and why it ended, called oh. Why the Lone Gunman is Cancelled. All right, where can you get, uh, when can you get a copy of that? Uh, DeanHagland.com, actually. Excellent. Uh, you can log on there. Um I, in fact, it's funny. Before we started this interview, I, I was uh, found a whole box of them ready to be sent out. They, uh, I thought I'd had to call the printer again, but there was uh, one last box yeah. for uh, for your listeners to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll point them to your site. We'll put a link up to the site and a link directly to the page where you can buy it. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. That's all I uh, I'm redoing that whole site, so. You know that's next on the list of things to do. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I yeah. Mean... So, so the show was canceled for a variety of reasons, and uh, some very complex and and unfortunate. You know, mm. and, and so it really is a a story of how you know the bad aspects of Hollywood and how it works uh, in terms of personality and egos and that sort of thing. Yeah, that sounds... none that had to, it had to do with any of us, of course. Yeah, I mean the ratings were really good as well, weren't they, from what I remember? Yeah, they were. Uh, and uh, they weren't... Um, nobody cited ratings as why the show was cancelled in the first place. Yeah. It was just sort of mysterious. No, it's just not going again. Do you think That's it... sort of the word we heard originally. Do you think it might be something to do with the um, the, the, the content itself? The you know Maybe you're getting a bit too uh, close to certain issues or something. Well, you know, that's the thing. Uh, eight months later, the real-life events in the pilot up flying into the World Trade Center um, at the last minute just flies over top. Yeah. And then eight months later, 9-11 happens. Uh, and I didn't even put it together. It was one of the writers that called me and said, are you watching this? Uh, and I'm going, yes, why, why are you calling? And then it suddenly dawns on me that this, what we're seeing on every channel is exactly what the uh, the pilot episode of Lone Gunman was all about. Yeah, that was really freaky. <laughs> I remember seeing that. That was really freaky. Yeah. Including that the reason in the Lone Gunman episode, the reason written of why they were flying in a plane into the World Trade Center was to start an international war on terror. Mm, yeah, and then there's a bit, I think, oh, we'll play a clip actually, but there's a bit, um, I can't remember the character's name. Who's the guy that's kind of an ex government person that becomes one of the lone government? I've forgotten the character. Oh, Byers, yeah, mm. Byers. I think and his dad. Yeah, and his dad, they're talking about, um, you know, he basically figures, well, begins to figure out what it's about. But we'll play that clip. and. Uh... We know it's a war game scenario, that it has to do with airline counterterrorism. Why is that important enough to kill for? Because it's no longer a game. But if some terrorist group wants to 
act out this scenario, why target you for assassination? Depends on who your terrorists are. The men who conceived of it in the first place. You're saying our government plans to commit a terrorist act against a domestic airline. There you go. Indicting the entire government as usual. It's a faction. A small faction. For what possible gain? The Cold War's over, John. But with no clear enemy to stockpile against, the arms market's flat. But bring down a fully loaded 727 into the middle of New York City, and you'll find a dozen tin pot dictators all over the world just clamoring to take responsibility and begging to be smart bombed. I can't believe it. This is about increasing our sales. When? Tonight? Liars. Your flight's gonna make an unscheduled stop in exactly 22 minutes. Corner of Liberty and Washington. Lower Manhattan. World Trade Center. We're gonna crash the plane into the World Trade Center. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was crazy. I think that Alex, was crazy. Alex Jones picked up on it, didn't he? I remember quite a lot. He sure did. And, you know, this was the, it was also the other, uh, uh, you know, kind of funny thing was that then Condoleezza Rice and everyone goes, well, there was no way, you know, there's nothing that gave an indication that this could possibly happen. No, <laughs> no one ever possibly thought that this could ever be. It's just like, hello, we were just <laughs> yeah. on the air. My God. It was on uh, it was on Fox, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not like nobody was watching that. <laughs> no. I mean, do you miss the X Files being around as a, you know as a sort of show that you know generally was it like a good time and you miss the kind of what, what yeah you're doing sometimes you miss the the family aspect of it. Um, you know, getting to see everybody. It's very hard uh, to get together. Recently, it was a ten year anniversary of one of the larger X Files conventions called the X Files Expo. Oh, right, and yeah. uh, a lot of people from Fox, everybody got together for a large party and, and looked at slides. And I, unfortunately, was uh, touring the UK, actually. Oh, right. I was in uh, during that month, and so I missed that party. And, you know, it's one of those things that you kind of go, well, it would have been great to see everyone. Yeah. And, right. uh, well, who actually went to it? Was it just the crew, the crew or the actors? or uh, Some actors. It was uh, crew members. It was uh, some of the senior executives that were involved in terms of people from licensing and marketing, you know, names that wouldn't really jump out. Uh, so, uh, but it, there were production people there as well. And it, it seemed like uh, it was a good time. Yeah. It must have been great being a part of something like the X-Files because it, it was a different kind of show when it first came out. I, I think it really kind of, I mean, it's why I'm interested in all this kind of the stuff I cover on, on this, you know, sort of indirectly at least on, on this show that I do. And uh, I think it, really brought a lot of this kind of uh, counterculture and kind of paranormal stuff out into the open. It must have been really great to be a part of that. It was. You know, at first I didn't actually watch the show because I was busy performing live with uh, uh, theater sports and doing stand-up comedy. Uh, so I didn't really understand uh, what we were part of. Plus, in the beginning, you know, we just did the one episode and we thought that was it. And then we get a phone call saying, do you want to do another episode as the same character? We're like, yeah, okay, not a problem. <laughs> and, and it wasn't until like season three that we kind of figured out, oh, I see, we're recurring now. <laughs> so, so you know, at no time do they tell you, oh, by the way, you're part of the family now. <laughs> because uh, where did they get the idea for your characters from? Was it something to have an airport or something, from what I remember? Well, yeah, the, the original story was uh, uh, James Wong and Glenn Morgan, who were a writing team that went on to do 
the one with Jet Li and the yeah. remake of Willard and a few other things. They did a season Space. of Millennium, I think, didn't they? They did a, a Millennium after they did Space Above and Beyond, which was a short-lived show. Yeah. Um, yeah, they said they were going through an airport and they saw uh, three guys handing out UFO pamphlets. And one had long hair, and one was in a suit, and one wearing a leather jacket. And they thought, wow, how do these, you know, that these three quite different types are all coming together over UFO uh, pamphlets. Yeah. They thought it was hilarious and, and uh, had to put into the show. <laughs> Sounds quite cool. I mean, yeah, that... that's... Go on, sorry. No, no, that... that... And so he, they had it written down right to the fact that I wore a Ramones T-shirt. <laughs> uh, so all those T-shirts I wrote are, are that I wore in the show were actually already pre-written into the script. <laughs> oh, excellent! That's cool. So um, there's a new film coming out. Uh, are you actually in the new film, or? Well, you know, I signed a document that states that I can't tell you whether or not I'm in the film or not. Oh, right. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, so this summer you may or may not see me. It'll be. That you may or may not go to. Uh, that that blows my question. Then I was going to ask you if you've yeah. been on the set or seen any of them. <laughs> oh well, see, I can't even talk about that. Yeah. The, the secrecy <laughs> behind these things, you know, as always. Even in the first movie, uh, you got when you got your lines, they were only your lines. You didn't get the whole script. They were on red paper, so you couldn't photocopy it. Uh, stamped across each page with a, a code number, so that if that page got out, they could link it back to you. You know, it was this really top secret. So I imagine now the secrecy is even more. Yeah. Though, though I did read on a blog, some fan got invited to set so and started talking about it. Yeah. So she was allowed to talk about it, but uh, somehow my Rupert Murdoch deal doesn't <laughs> allow me to chat it up. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, fans can, in another way, see you as part of an X-Files show. You do like an improv X-Files show. That sounds really interesting. I haven't actually got to see it, which is really annoying. Oh, yeah. But, um... Well, I'm sorry. Just last month, I was touring uh, through all of the UK. I, I was, know, uh... I know. <laughs> I was near... What's name? You're in Guildford, right? Yeah. Um... No, I'm actually in Brighton now. I've literally just moved house. But, oh, uh... I, I was down at the Brighton Festival. Yeah, I know. Uh... It's so annoying. I was away when you were there. It's so irritating. Ah, <laughs> unfortunate. But yes, I improvise a live episode of the X-Files um, where every show is completely different. I have audience members come up. Uh, I just It's just me by myself and then uh, random people that I select from the audience, uh, sometimes against their will, <laughs> to, <laughs> to come up and basically create a, um, a brand new show each and every time. So uh, what, how, do, I mean, how do they go down? Are they, are they, do you get quite big audiences coming along or...? Yes, uh, some of them have been very big. Uh, other ones, uh, they, uh, uh, I think it was Swindon forgot to advertise that I was coming. <laughs> so, uh, so that had a small audience. Yeah. But it was still really fun. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, I think I remember you talking about this on your podcast, actually. I think it was a couple of episodes ago. You were saying that they, it was subsidized, so you still got paid, but they kind of didn't actually bother to advertise it at all or something. You know, this to us here in America is such a bizarre concept that there is a subsidized theater uh, scene going on in the UK, <laughs> that there's these council theater houses yeah, and uh, that they have fantastic shows coming in once a week and they don't really care if anybody comes or not. <laughs> Whereas here, most of the theaters rely 100% on their box office and there's so many, 
you know, my email is flooded every day with please come see my show, uh, you know, all this month, see David Mamet plays, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's quite the fight to get the audience <laughs> because you won't pay rent otherwise. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm always, uh, it was quite uh, quite a thrill to be part of the UK theater scene and see it, see it how it operates from a government standpoint. Yeah, it's kind of strange. Yeah, I mean, um, are you planning on releasing any kind of uh, DVD or anything of your, any of your shows? Or Well, when people go to uh, see my comic book, Why the Lone Gunman is Cancelled, you can also see uh, DVDs of other shows I've done uh, at conventions uh, where I bring a video camera and film them and then burn them onto DVD. Ah, right. Uh, and it's not just me. I've also improvised with Denise Crosby from um, Star Trek Next Generation mm-hmm. and Claudia Christian from Babylon 5. And even Gary Jones, who's a good friend of mine, who plays uh, Walter Harriman on Stargate. Uh, him and I do a Stargate improv show called Starhole that is also on DVD on ah, my site. Excellent. So going back to the improv show, the X-Files one, mm-hmm. what, how, I mean, how does it go down? You just, you just literally just come out on the, onto the stage with a microphone and a, a suit or something? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I come out in a T-shirt. I, I play other characters. There's always uh, some sort of conspiracy going on. And then I show up in, in my character about halfway through. I come out as Langley right. and uh, save the day, basically. Ah, uh, <laughs> you know, they are, it's how I foresee um, the X-Files, where I should be the hero. Uh, do you have any plans to come over to Europe again soon? Or? I sure do. I'm going to be at the uh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival hmm. uh, at the Baby Belly Room starting July 28th. Oh, and uh, going right through to the 16th, no, the 17th of August. Um, and I'll be performing every night uh, at the Baby Belly. Get your tickets now <laughs> at edfringe.com or .co.uk, I think. Um, are you going to be coming down south at all? Or? Uh, like Brighton again? Yeah, uh, <laughs> basically. Uh, basically, how little do I have to travel to see you? <laughs> no, uh, it's not that. No, no, it's just a Scotland's mission. Like, <laughs> yes, I hear that. Um, yes, I am. Uh, they're talking about doing a, another tour in February 2009. Oh, excellent. Cool. Where I'll be. Um, so, yeah, it's a little while away, but uh, but not that far. Oh, and um, I will be uh working on that after the fringe with my producer uh james seabright and seabright entertainment i think his website is all right okay well i was uh looking on your website actually just before we started doing the interview and something oh, yes. i keep meaning to get myself because it looks really interesting but it's thing called a chill pack that you've invented. oh yes <laughs> can, you, can you tell us about the chill pack and like the origin I of it certainly can the chill pack is a laptop cooling system um, that goes in the freezer, goes directly under the laptop, and draws the heat away from the CPU. It has a condensation-proof sleeve on it, so no moisture develops, and it's insulated on the bottom, so your notebook can become a laptop again. Oh. The reason they're called computer notebooks now is they don't actually want you using them on your lap because you'll burn yourself, you know. Uh, and this is a product that I invented myself. I won a silver medal at the International Inventors Expo in Geneva, Switzerland. Yeah, well done. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. And uh, it now sells uh, uh, quite extensively around the world. It's uh, uh, kind of hard to keep up, actually, because <laughs> uh, it's growing so exponentially. 
it um it i i invented it after i was invited by apple computer uh for the launch of os 10 you know xx files they they brought the gunman up for this wild party right. up at silicon valley and i got drunk with all the engineers and they told me everything that's wrong with the computer and they uh and then they gave me as a gift a uh, titanium g4 oh nice <laughs> i took it home yeah very nice right <laughs> I took it home. I'm watching a movie, and about halfway through the movie, it just locks up. Everything stops working, and the thing is super hot. And I had, at the time, a knee injury, so I had some ice on my knee. And I went, I moved the laptop to my knee to do something else. The movie started playing again. And I went, aha, Watson, <laughs> come here, I need you. Uh, the, the coolness of the knee is uh, cooling down the processor and allowing it to unlock basically and function faster uh, because my major in college was uh, theater of course but my minor was physics and exothermodynamics so I could put some of those uh, silly courses to use <laughs> and, uh, and my ex-wife at the time was a nurse and so she had a uh, uh, the material that allowed heat to transfer but no moisture to develop and I put that together with an insulated bottom and the chill pack was born. Yeah. And it's been in quite yeah. well internationally, hasn't it? Very well internationally. And it turns out that it's uh, also uh, quite environmentally safe in that uh, it, it requires no electricity to run it. You just put it in a freezer and uh, it doesn't, uh, is, it's not categorized as e-waste. So it's not going to fill up your landfill with plastic or uh, burn off any excess uh, battery power from your computer in fact it might actually make your battery last longer though we haven't done those tests yet so where can if people want to uh, get hold of one where can they get it they can go to my website of course is linked through it or you can just go straight to chillpack.com uh spelled c-h-i-l-l chill and pack is spelled p-a-k yeah chillpack.com ah excellent well is there anything else you'd like to uh, mention any kind of um any other projects you're working on or uh, I'm working on quite a few projects, including uh, one top secret project that <laughs> once we got the green light, I'll uh, be on your show right away, Ken. Okay, no, we'll definitely. Yeah, be good. Give you the exclusive over there. Yeah, and uh, I have a new uh, trading card series that will be for sale on my site uh, uh, for those who collect trading cards. Oh, and good. there are some people. Yeah, uh, tell us a bit more about that. What was, what's that about? Well, oddly enough... This is a guy that I met at a couple conventions who also manufactures trading cards by the name of Mark Advent and his non-sports trading card company. And uh, he asked me, so you cut all your hair off, which is you know, a common question. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, I did it for a movie. He goes, well, what would you do with the hair? I go, I don't know. It's in a bag. I was, uh, you know, hadn't thought about it. And he goes, well, let me show you something. And he pulls out a trading card called the wardrobe card. And this wardrobe card was from Lord of the Rings. And basically it was a picture of Frodo and his cape that he wore. They cut up into little pieces and put a little square of the fabric in a little uh, sealed plastic, clear plastic window inside this trading card. All right. And he, and he goes, these sell for 50 to $75, right? Mm. I go, Wow said, so what we'll do is we'll take your hair and we'll put five or six strands inside a little plastic window. We'll sell them off 
as the original hair from the X-Files kind of thing. <laughs> that's cool. That's quite a good idea. Actually. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I went, wow, that's kind of weird, actually. But I went to a convention and I said, who would purchase this if I had this done? And lots of people clapped. Yeah, exactly. So I went, okay, the market has spoken. Yeah. I I personally wouldn't buy one, but uh, <laughs> but there you go. Well, you're not worried about anyone cloning you then, are you, or anything? Or... <laughs> well, if they can, I would appreciate sending the clone my way because with chill pack and everything, I'm really busy. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be quite cool. Oh yeah, because I mean, I've I've actually I actually met you about two years ago, I think, at a convention in London. It was called the London Expo. I think it was called the London Expo. Yeah, Brian with the, the Brian Cooney show. Yeah, that was over. Uh, near the O2 Center, right? Yeah, it's like a big, huge. I think it's like I can't even remember. It's called X. Uh, what is it called? It's a huge building with loads of kind of like almost aircraft hangar size. Uh, kind exactly. Of, yeah, it's kind of a really massive, weird kind of place, <laughs> especially when it's. Yeah. yeah, it's just kind of empty. The rest of it, it's really odd. And then there's this one room just full of stuff. But yeah, I mean, to anyone that listens to the show, I mean, Dean's very approachable. I actually spoke to you for a little while uh, at one of the shows. I think it was about two or three years ago. But you should. Yeah. Definitely... And you do quite a lot of them now, don't you? The kind of convention circuits. Yeah, I well, I've uh, I've sort of cut back on them a little bit now, just because uh, uh, they are changing in in tone. You know, people are uh, how do you say getting bored with them, perhaps. Yeah. So, uh, so I do my live show now more in theaters instead of conventions, uh, so that they can come to that and have a little richer experience. Often, like you said, in an airplane hangar. Yeah. Uh, doing a comedy show like that kind of uh, dissipates into the ether. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, but they sometimes they get they're a bit odd. though, some of them I find. <laughs> I, really, I pretty much went to that one just because just out of interest more than anything. It was the first one I ever went to, really, in terms of a kind of uh-huh. big one of those big. Do you have a lot of those big kind of huge conventions in the states? Uh, they are, uh, yeah, four or five of them. They're quite huge that I still do. There's one called Dragon Con in Atlanta that happens every. Uh, uh, first weekend in September, uh, that is some 65,000 people over three hotels. And it's, it's quite something. So, uh, so I do that. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's really nice. My pleasure. <laughs> I'm so sorry you missed me in Brighton. No, oh, no, I'll definitely come and see you next time. I'll make sure I kind of plan all my life a bit better. <laughs> <That kind of thing. laughs> But uh, okay. if people want to find out more about you online, obviously they can look at you on IMDb and all that kind of thing. But I mean, you have yeah. a website, so if you could give us some 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 yeah, URLs. Yeah, my website uh, is deanhaglin.com. Uh, that's always good. You can join me on MySpace at uh, MySpace slash Hagland, H-A-G-L-U-N-D, and I'm also on Facebook as just Dean Haglin, I think. All right, excellent. Well, yeah. th- thanks a lot, and uh, it's been really, really great talking to you. Um, you and, yeah. Excuse me, I've got some information I'd like to share with you. Did you know that 26 billion pickles are packed each year in the U.S.? And that's about nine pounds of pickles per person. More than half the cucumbers grown in the U.S., are made into pickles. Hey, pickle boy, let's talk pickles. The Podcast Pickle, that is. The Podcast Pickle is your resource for all the latest and greatest podcasts found in cyberspace with thousands of podcasts listed and more added every day. Here's some of the podcasts that you'll find at podcastpickle.com. <laughs> Geek Foo Action Grip, Beachcast, Comic Geek Speak, Speechless. 
This Week in Tech, Warrentown Talk, NASCAR Zone, Shelly the Republican, Voice from Eden, Jimmy McBean, Five Minutes with Wichita, Cinema Playground, Offbeat, The Logo Factory, The City of Warriors, Exit 50, This and That with Jeff and Pat, Thoughts on Psychiatry, Web Hosting Show, Merlin Cumberland, Random Cast, Jazz with Tiger, American Road Trip Show, The Drew M Podcast, The Slam Ida Podcast, Forgotten Tales, The Zencast, XboxStation.net, How to Do Stuff. Now, Pickle has a whole new meaning. PodcastPickle.com, the world's best podcast directory. And we're back. That was uh, Dean Hagland. And thanks to Dean for doing the interview. It was, uh, I thought he did really well. What did you think? Yeah, he did, he did a good interview. He's, you can tell he's experienced and he's, he's a professional in, uh, well, in, in a lot of matters. He's a jack of all trades. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's a, was an actor, inventor, director. Uh, yeah. I find the the bit about the uh, the inventing. He's an inventor. I found that uh, that just made me laugh. Not not in a, a nasty way, but that uh, he's got so much under his belt, you know. Yeah, that chill pack thing sounds really cool. It's definitely yeah. a good idea. I mean, I've had a look at it online. It looks like it does the job. And uh, can keep... it be used on? Can it be used on sports injuries? <laughs> well, no, yeah, probably can. <clears throat> but it's a clever idea, I thought. Anyway, and it's you know, good luck. If, to if it can it. be used on sports injuries, then what's different between that and? Existing ones. Um, I think anyway, I digress. <laughs> it sounds a bit rude now, doesn't it? But I couldn't understand what the chill pack was. I think it was. I think it's a gel pack, and it has this uh, condensation proof sleeve over it that stops it from. Right. Because obviously, oh, if you just put a gel pack, whatever. yeah, yeah. you probably absorb all the moisture into the computer. Yeah, you and blow it up. Yeah. yeah. So it's quite a clever little idea, I think. With the, mm. I'll definitely be getting one because <laughs> my, my laptop burns my. Li- Seriously, it gets so hot. It's yeah, so, you yeah. destroyed a hard drive recently, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't wasn't good. But, yeah, uh, typical yeah. Mac for you. Any other parts of the interview that tickled your interest? Um, when he was talking about the the upcoming movie being made on the uh, the cancer, the machine that could cure people of cancer. Royal Raymond Rafe. Yeah, do you do you find that I find that particularly hard to believe? In in fact, I would say that uh, if such a machine existed, wouldn't it be? widely known and wouldn't it be in operation and if it wasn't uh, uh, sanctioned by the uh, health associations medical associations for what reason I, I don't know much about it perhaps I should research it but uh, yeah I mean from what I've looked at it's it's like we were talking about earlier on I think if you're uh, a big company that makes a lot of money from uh, <laughs> from selling you know drugs that can yeah, alleviate the, the pain allevi- of, yeah yeah, I that, suppose that's right. Yeah, that that could be the conspiracy. Yeah, um, uh, that the reason it hasn't come into use is because the drug companies that make lots of money out of uh, um, short-term relief would go out of business. I suppose if cancer yeah. could be cured. I mean, there's a lot I, of talk- again. I, yeah, I find that hard to believe, though. There's a lot of talk. I mean, we should probably do a show on this other guy, uh, Wil- Wilhelm Reich. He's um, inc- he created the Allgame box, which is a another interesting thing. Actually, I, I might. I'm looking up at my bookshelf right now. I might get. Uh, there's an author who's written a really good book on him, uh, Robert S. Corrington, I think his name is. But we yeah. have to see if we can get him on the show as well, because I reckon he'd be an interesting guest. We could do a show on right, yeah. that'd be cool. In fact, you were saying about a future guest in, in Sitting Now. I thought he mentioned his friend in uh, Texas University. Yeah. And that, I thought, so when he mentioned him, I thought, now that would be a, an, a, a brilliant guest to have on the show. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he, he talked about him. Um, 
Mm. He didn't talk about him much, but he sounded like he could be a guest. So yeah, the criminology professor. Perhaps there's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be yeah, definitely. And if you're listening, get in touch. Yeah, he <laughs> <laughs> might be. You never know. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, if anyone wants to uh, keep up with what Dean's doing, they can uh, check him out on his podcast. We mentioned it earlier, but I'll give it another shout. Is a uh, from theheartofhollywood.com, and it's a really and good before, show. Before you type in Dean Hagland into Google, expecting a man with uh, long hair, as you as you heard in the interview, he's he looks a lot different without the hair, doesn't he? Yeah, he does look a bit different. Oh, I'd known him. He looked like um, who did he look? Like? He used to look like um, oh, God, what was that? Those films in the eighties, Wayne's World. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so they, yeah. yeah she said that. In, in, in fact, did he mention that in the interview? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, must be, he must get it a lot because I thought when I saw him with long hair and the difference, he, he really shows to be. I mean, he really looks like that bloke from Wayne's World, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does definitely. Yeah. It's quite quite, uh, quite bizarre. But anyway, I uh, could thank you as well, I guess, for uh, coming on and helping me out with the show today. It's uh, in Paul's yeah. absence. And uh, you're going to be. We're probably. Well, we'll have you on every week from now on, won't we, with your, uh, we? With your feature? And, uh, oh well, <laughs> see how it goes. But uh, just to let the listeners <laughs> know, if you like me on the uh, on the Sitting Now website, do you get much comment on the Sitting Now website? We tend to oh, get yeah, emails. About the forum. Yeah, the forum would be handy when, when that gets set up. Yeah, once we get it up. Uh, I think I think the cancer uh, machine would generate a lot of um, a lot of talk on on the forums when it, when it's up and running. Yeah, definitely, it'd be quite cool. But I mean, just for the listeners to know, I mean, Box No Stranger to, sorry, Jacob's No Stranger, sort of in Jake there again, um, <laughs> No Stranger to uh, dealing with at least some of our guests, as uh, this clip will show you. Rosemary, thank you for that one. Let's go to Jacob now. Jacob, good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, what's the name of your ex? Nick, 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 it's Nick Pope. Hello, Nick. Uh, well, I'd like you to be really honest um, and not sort of worry about what the listeners would say. <laughs> but is there anything that anybody could say to you? And you would immediately know that they were making it up. I mean, like a report of something. Well, that, that's an interesting question. I can't say I've ever been asked that before. I don't know. Um, yeah, but what I mean is, like, somebody could say a detail or, or report something, and then you would immediately know that they were making it up. Has, has that ever happened? No, I don't think it has. Having said that, I think sometimes, and it's not something that you can necessarily put into words or quite put your finger on, but sometimes you'll be talking, you know, to someone, you'll be listening to the story and you'll think, oh, come on. But it's, it's not anything specific. It's, it's, I, I would say it's almost, it's almost like using um, you, you sort of um, basic psychology. I, I mean, I think you could say that this doesn't just apply to UFOs. It probably applies to everyday life. You can probably think of um, occasions in your life when, when somebody's not been truthful with you. And you can't necessarily put your finger on why, but maybe some little alarm bell goes off. So that was... Uh... Jacob on national radio talking to Nick Pope, who a guest yeah, was, of our last show. <laughs> I was I was listening uh, to um, to Talksport and the show uh, Mike Mendoza. He's on Talksport on the weekends, and uh, he had Nick Pope on on his first hour. And uh, I was listening to the show, and he was taking calls from people uh, across across the UK, and they were putting his questions to him about UFOs and about all of this. And I found his answers um, to be vague, to be rather. He spoke a lot. He spoke a, a lot in the show, but what he was speaking didn't seem to have much substance. So I thought I would ring in and ask him the questions like like you heard there. And <laughs> yeah. he, I mean, he talks, but he doesn't. Do, do, do you do you know what I mean or not? Sort of. I mean, I think he I've... seems to talk, but he, he never has much substance, and he doesn't seem to have much of a backbone. It sounds horrible, but 
when I asked him there, I specifically wanted to hear some some something he might have heard in the past about a story which he found hard to believe, or if he, if if somebody could say a detail or something, and and he would know they were making it up. Hmm. He doesn't seem to be that much of an. Well, if he is an expert, and I presume from from listening to the show, the whole show on Mike Mendoza on Talksport, he doesn't. I, I think he he's from a civil service background, so yeah, yeah. Perhaps that perhaps that's why. Um, you know, his job wasn't technical. Perhaps it was because uh, he's more of a, um, you know, what they call them, pen pusher. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He seems to have done quite a lot of field work, though. I think he um, he went out. I mean, he said he'd interviewed a hundred odd abductee cases and in the UK yeah. alone. So well, yeah. they had one on the show that night, actually. <laughs> what was he doing on a sports show? <laughs> well, it's it's in fact the whole interview is available to be downloaded from a, from the internet. All oh, right, um, and. Uh, on the weekends, it's just it's just talk shows. It's not it's not talking about talk. Well, at least in the evenings, anyway. Hmm. Uh, it's chat show, and he gets lots of calls on. And, and that night was uh, Nick Pope, oh, right. and uh, he was there for a couple of hours. But uh, um, and then of course when I went on SittingNow.co.uk, I I was surprised to see you had Nick Pope because I didn't know <laughs> about it. And uh, then I thought I'd send you the clip of me uh, questioning him, <laughs> yeah. That's quite giving cool. him the JW treatment. Yeah, giving the JW treatment. That's nice. If anyone wants to uh, contact me, Paul, or Jacob, you can get us on our, our name, so Ken, Paul, or Jacob, at sittingnow.co.uk. Um, or you can hit us up through the website directly on the, either the comments section or the forum, if we actually get it up and running, uh, yeah. which is sittingnow.co.uk. And uh, any last words, Mr...? Um, no, I'd just like to thank you for doing that piece on my show the other night, and oh, uh, cool, thank you for letting me come on here. It's been uh, it's been quite good. Yeah. Hopefully, the listeners will like us. No doubt, when the forum's up and running, they'll uh, they'll let us know. They'll let us know. <laughs> good <laughs> or bad. Well, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.